This episode is brought to you by Link, Mentoring for Teens. As you all know, I used to be a teacher, and one of the things that I care about most is making sure that my teens had support with their mental health. That's why I was so happy when I found Link. The thing that I love about Link is that they started by actually talking to hundreds of teens who told them that they wanted someone in the mental health space who was younger and more relatable to get support from. And they wanted someone to reach out to immediately in the moments that they... So they created Link to connect your teen with a trained 19 to 26 year old who they can reach out to whenever they need. Their goal is to give you peace of mind that your teen always has someone incredible to get support. For that reason, every Link mentor is background checked and trained by our team. And we match your teen with their mentors specifically based on their background, personal experiences, and interests. Once your teen gets their mentor, they can get as much support as they need from them whenever they want throughout the month, giving you peace of mind that they always have someone to go to. You can find out more information about Link Mentorship for Teens in the show notes. Hi, precious angels. I do have to give another trigger warning for this episode. I will be talking about body image, my own experience with disordered eating, and my full-blown eating disorder. If this is something that is going to trigger you, throw you off of any type of progress, or just not be helpful for you in the time and space that you're in right now, go ahead and skip this episode and protect yourself. I love What is up, party people? Let me be honest. It has taken so long tonight for me to sit down and start recording. I knew what I wanted to talk about. And overall, I've been really productive today, but just like sitting down writing an outline, jotting down my thoughts, and actually sitting down to record has been a challenge. (laughs) 50% of the reason is because I was truly just distracting myself by doom scrolling on TikTok and Instagram and also Amazon shopping. I've gotten a couple of things, but I think they will add value to my life. And then also the other 50% is because I had to get my vibes right in the room to get in the mood to podcast. Does anyone else need like a vibey space in order to get work done and be productive? Now that I'm talking about it, actually, I'm realizing that, of course, like right now, I need to get my space all vibed out to be productive in this time in my life. But it's actually been like this for a while. In college, when I was writing papers or researching, I had to be on my patio if I could, if if the weather allowed and it was warm enough. I had to be on my patio with string lights, red wine, a chill playlist, and I had Moe's chips and queso. And then even when I was a teacher after college and I was staying at school late, I didn't have as much freedom to make the vibey space that I wanted, but I still maintained the low lighting and the good playlist. I'm really grateful for this time though right now. While I do feel overwhelmed with the all of the things that I'm juggling and I'm slightly anxious always because <laughs> anxiety is my baseline, And I feel like I don't have enough hours in the day. So tonight, to get the vibes right, this is what we're working with. I only have lamp light in my bedroom. I hate the overhead lights. I have two lamps in my bedroom, and I like the light bulbs to be like an amber light, which you can buy. I've bought them at Walmart instead of bright fluorescent lights or even just the yellow lights I find to be a little bit too harsh for me. I only turn on the lamps in the late afternoon or evening. I prefer sunlight, natural light, but right now I have my two lamps on 
I'm listening to, well, before I turned on the podcast, I was listening to brown noise, not white noise. I have my diffuser going. If you're into essential oils, which I have been for years since I started like my wellness and spirituality journey, I have been loving blending together Young Living's Lavender, Gentle Baby, and Stress Away. It is so yummy. I don't think I will ever change up this bedtime diffuser blend. I've gone through so much Gentle Baby in the last month and a half. It's embarrassing. And the diffuser that is on has a soft orange light to it. So I'm in like a good space right now. I also just burned my Palo Santo sustainably sourced, of course, to ground and more easily sit with the thoughts and emotions that I'm experiencing today and that we will experience together as I recount my history and my very emotionally charged experiences with my body and my mind as we have our little cocktail chat together. And speaking of cocktails, nice segue, Susie. I hope you are drinking with me tonight if drinking is something that you want to do. This week's cocktail is brought to you by Lauren Milovich. Milovich? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to go with Milovich. We have a spiced apple margarita. I posted the recipe. Well, she posted the recipe originally. She blessed us with this cute little cocktail. I made it on my TikTok yesterday so that if you are following me only, you can make the cocktail alongside me so that we can be sipping it together right now. And also so that you can follow her because she has a ton of beautiful, wonderful cocktails and a lot of delightful holiday cocktails right now. Today, you guys, I really think it's important and I really want to talk about my experience with disordered eating, therapy, recovery, how that all went with pregnancy, and how I am planning on navigating all of my food stuff around these holidays. This is going to be a really vulnerable episode. But ultimately, I wanted to go ahead and record it and dig all of this stuff up and be transparent about it because I know, unfortunately, so many young women who are listening to me and that follow me are going to relate to this because they also are dealing with disordered eating, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, body image issues, just like generalized food stuff. And my hope is that through sharing that I experienced this too, and what my recovery has looked like, it'll provide some insight, some hope, some camaraderie and companionship and a feeling that you're understood. So I think ultimately, even though it is very vulnerable for me to share this, I think that it's going to, and I hope that it's going to provide a lot of value to people. I didn't have words for my eating disorder for years, but now that I have a lot more awareness around it, I can see that my body image issues started like as young as third grade. I can't imagine, I can't imagine having a daughter looking at her and knowing that she felt like anything less than a miracle. I hope in the future, if I do have a daughter, I'm able to work through this stuff enough so that I don't pass it on to her or model it for her because just looking at my son, and of course men and boys can experience this too, but it is significantly less. Um, I, I just look at my son and I just, 
I don't even want to go to a place where I can envision him thinking in the future that he is not worthy, not valuable, like and really anything less than perfect. That just tears me up. I was an only child, well, I, I still am an only child, with parents who were very wrapped up in weight and the way that their bodies look. Both of my parents were constantly on the Atkins diet, which if you don't know or you're not familiar, is like the old form of keto, sort of. They were constantly weighing themselves. I know that my mom always did and still does point out where she feels like she's gaining weight. My dad always brought up that I, when I was a child, should start getting in shape and getting good exercise while I was young. And I know that my parents did their best. Obviously, when they said and did these things, they didn't realize or anticipate how it would manifest or how I would interpret it. I know that my mom probably just thought that she was keeping all this to herself and these were her own problems and my dad probably just wanted me to be an active kid as he saw that TV and computers were and video games were just like taking over all of the kids that he saw. So I really want to believe and think and know that their intentions were the best but unfortunately it did manifest itself in a much more sinister way. I think they just didn't understand the impact that their own relationships with their own bodies would have on me. And I think maybe when they advised me on how to best support my body, they didn't know how damaging their specific phrasing was. To this day, they haven't completely been open to my feedback about how it impacted me, which is totally okay. I know that can be really hard for people to acknowledge things like that and acknowledge especially how their actions impacted their children. One of my parents still doesn't even acknowledge, unfortunately, that it's possible that I had or am recovering from an eating disorder because I'm currently not traditionally skinny in the way that people view people with eating disorders. I think a lot of individuals that are not in this space and haven't dealt with it themselves or experienced it view eating disorders as like women with very just very skinny knobby knees protruding bones um just looking sickly and not realizing that bodies can come in any shape and the individuals inside of those bodies can be having icky food stuff uh, regardless of how their body looks I, I wish, however, that my parents would acknowledge how it impacted me, obviously. I think that there's a lot of opportunity as a parent, um, and actually being a teacher taught me so much about the kind of parent that I want to be, partially because I dealt with so many parents, but primarily because I knew the whole time that I was teaching that I was modeling behaviors and thoughts to my students every day, and there's... I think so much opportunity for repairing as a parent or a mentor or just an older person in anyone's life because believe it or not, we're all going to fuck people up if we are responsible for them, no matter how hard we try. But I think the real lesson and value is in acknowledging that, 
you could have done better, apologizing for maybe the impact that you had and identifying what you could have done differently to prevent the negative outcome that you're currently dealing with or that someone else is currently dealing with as a result of your actions. It's all about impact, not intent, right? These things, apologizing, acknowledging, identifying, it's not going to fix the mistake or issues, but I think that it can at least model that it's okay to be human, it's okay to mess up, and it is imperative that we acknowledge when we do. Anyway, that's me on my soapbox. I'll get off my tangent. I remember being in third grade and constantly weighing myself, which was so sad. The f- I think the fact that I got my period when I was in third grade also had something to do with my hyper-awareness around my body. It was changing so much. I remember that I was in my bedroom and I was doing tons of sit-ups. I was bumping my volleyball against the wall outside forever. I... I was weighing myself before and after working out, quote, working out. I was nine years old. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to think of nine-year-olds as working out. Nine-year-olds play and they have fun using their bodies. It's just heartbreaking that I was going out of my way to do workouts to change my body. I remember throughout those middle school years, I was obsessed with yoga, which is an important practice to me now, which I'm going to talk about. But at the time, it was purely about my body and changing the way it looked. I was eating raw food, smoothies. I was just being super sensitive to what I was eating. I was avoiding foods at this time and I was actually finding pride in it, which absolutely contributed to how out of control my eating disorder got in college. I loved, I remember, I loved to brag about how I didn't eat fast food and I actually didn't for nine years after when I started not eating it in sixth grade. So I know I skipped a few years. Early in high school, I happened to gain some weight. I don't know what started it or what was happening in my life at the time. I'm completely not sure. But I know that comments were made about my weight and I became incredibly self-conscious. I actually, a lot of comments, even outside of my family, just with peers at school, unfortunately, a lot of comments were made about my weight and my size. I was never overweight. I was never unhealthy. But like I said before, I developed a lot earlier than a lot of my peers. So I was very obviously different. And the comments that were made just, you know, absolutely contributed to how icky I felt and how I didn't feel like I fit in with the other girls that were my age. And it impacted the way that other people treated me. And I... Everything just started, I I remember kind of viewing the world and experiencing the world through how people interpreted my body or felt around my body. I, anyway, in early high school, I became super self-conscious about my weight, so I did something about it because people were making comments about it. I went on that Atkins diet, which I was so familiar with. In middle school, I could have told you all of the rules. I could have made you a meal plan for weeks on end. I would know exactly what to buy at the store. I knew exactly what to look for on the backs of packages. It was so sad. But I went on the Atkins diet and I lost way too much weight in a way too small amount of time. And I got a ton of praise for it. 
I think that's where my addiction to the praise regarding my body started because that was ultimately the foundation of my eating disorder. Lots of therapists say that eating disorders are the result or the side effect of anxiety and a desire to have control over something in your life when you feel like everything else is out of your control. And while I am very anxious, before I was breastfeeding, I was intensely medicated for my anxiety. I don't think that my food stuff had to do with control all that much. I think it really was more the attention and the praise that I received. Being an only child, there was a lot of pressure, unintentional pressure put on me and that I put on myself to perform. I strived to get the best grades and have the best internships and the best personality. As a child, I remember striving to be very mature and easy to have a conversation with a adult because I wanted to be that kid that was easy, good. Their parents raised them really well. They were personable and social and all of these delightful things. And I just wanted to make my parents proud and I wanted their friends and colleagues to be impressed with the child that my parents had raised. And I notice now in hindsight how much I vacillated during that time between healthy habits and unhealthy habits. And when I say unhealthy habits, I mean unhealthy in either way. My interest in my body and food dropped off a little bit in high school, but unfortunately they picked, well, fortunately, unfortunately, they picked up again my senior year. I think that was actually really important and healthy. My school offered and still does, I mean, I taught at the school that I went to and now it's weird to say taught at past tense. But anyway, my school offered and that school still does offer a yoga class, which is actually really freaking dope. I It absolutely changed my life. So I went to class every day like you would an econ class or a history class and I got a grade for it. I learned all types of yoga. I learned the asanas, the Sanskrit names for a ton of poses. I learned how to put together sequences. My midterm grade was to lead a cl- lead my class in um, a sequence that my teacher would give us on the day so we couldn't really practice. We had to know our shit. I learned how to meditate. I learned the heart healing and emotional side of yoga, the history of yoga. It was just awesome. And my incredible teacher also taught us a lot about health. We learned the importance of treating our bodies so well so that they could and would perform to their optimal abilities. So I became really interested in health during that time. But Instead of cutting out foods or controlling how much or what I ate, I focused instead on crowding my plates with nourishing foods. So instead of having foods that I could and couldn't have that were good or bad, I instead focused on getting as many just nourishing foods into my body as possible. This meant that for probably the first time, I was intentionally eating meals with a purpose instead of wondering how they would impact my body. So every morning I had overnight oats with dried fruits and seeds, a lunch that was usually like a green salad with a homemade dressing, raw fruits, a snack that was something like hummus and veggies, and a dinner that typically included like a good amount of protein and roasted vegetables. It wasn't a diet that I was forcing upon myself or planning out. It was just kind of a diet or... And when I say diet, it was just a way of eating 
that originated because I was prioritizing my health and I was focusing on how my body felt and how it performed in these very healthy movements that I was taking part in every day. I was finally at peace in my body and I was at peace with the way that my body looked and what it was doing for me. I was doing yoga three times a week. I was, we had, so we had meditation Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were yoga, learning about yoga, learning the asanas, and then Friday was boot camp. So I was doing yoga three times a week. I was doing boot camp once a week. I was eating tons of healing foods and I felt great. That year and my senior year of college are two years that I will always look back on as times that I peaked and that I always try to recreate now as an adult. Unfortunately, things changed my freshman year of college. So you're seeing and I'm noticing how much things went back and forth in this entire time. It really wasn't a linear descent into an eating disorder. It was very much a slow, steady relationship almost with the eating disorder. Started dating a new boyfriend who had some pretty, un- who who had some very unhealthy habits, let's be honest, and I adopted them as well. Before I knew it, I was staying up until like 3 or 4 a.m. I wasn't partying or anything. Like I was just sitting on my computer in bed until 3 or 4 a.m., sleeping in very late. I was making trips to Steak and Shake at like 1 a.m., for fries and steak burgers and shakes. I was eating out constantly. I I guess it was like a good and bad time. Maybe it was more like a neutral time. I don't remember feeling bad energetically, which is hard to believe, but like, you know, college. Um, I didn't, I don't remember feeling bad energetically. When I stopped fitting into clothes, I just thought I was temporarily bloated. I didn't look negatively upon myself, nor did I feel the need to control or pay much attention to what I was eating. So in that regard, I think it was a pretty good time. I was pretty neutral and just bopping around, eating what I wanted to eat, having a good time with my new boyfriend, going on dates. And then I came home to get my wisdom teeth taken out, which I think was over spring break. And I hadn't had access to a scale in college, thank God. But you bet your bottom dollar my parents did. (laughs) They um, always had a scale in their bathroom. So I was astounded when I saw that I had gained so much weight. And I ran to my mom, who is my best friend. And I was so confused at how my body had changed so much. And I'll never forget that she said, like, Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. So it was just jarring to me that she acknowledged that I gained a lot of weight. And it was very apparent that she noticed immediately that I had gained a lot of weight. I felt like I was the last one to the party. But in hindsight, props to her because I'm sure she wanted to say something to me but was holding back for my mental health. But once I acknowledged it, I think she might have felt like she had free reign to say whichever she wanted. So there I was at home on spring break, back on my no carb, high protein, no sugar diet. Then the difference was when I went back to college, I didn't necessarily stop that diet when I got to my goal weight or when I got back to the weight that was kind of my baseline. I kept going. 
I opened myself to all types of foods again, so I wasn't really restricting to a diet, but I did have some underlying rules. And they started out really, they started out innocently enough. I grabbed raw fruit for a poolside snack instead of a sub. I stopped eating out. I started running every day to keep my body moving. But as soon as someone made a comment about my weight loss, it was on. It was game over. I became incredibly competitive with myself. I refused to miss a day of running for fear that like all of the weight would come back. Sometimes I was running twice a day. I was constantly pushing myself to run faster, have a better PR, run longer. I was eating raw produce as often as I could, which like these things alone aren't bad, but all combined and with the purpose behind them, the reason that I was doing them all, that's what's bad. My dinners became lettuce wraps and smoothie bowls and I just got smaller and smaller. I was actually looking at pictures in my camera roll today, or no, no, no. I was, I was on Facebook for the first time in a while and I was looking at hidden photos that I had just because I needed more storage on my phone years and years ago. So I uploaded all these pictures to Facebook and just kept them in a private album so I could delete them off my phone. And I was looking at pictures of myself that I took in the mirror during this time because I was so prideful with how small I was and I do not even recognize myself. There is no part of me that looks at those pictures with envy. I, I can't believe that was me. I don't recognize myself. It got to the point where I had coworkers who were asking my boyfriend, who was our boss, <laughs> story for another time, um, if I was sick. And I remember going home to see my parents and they both said that I was losing too much weight and they were concerned about me. But none of this bothered me. It gave me even more validation, more pride, more goals. Like after all those years, who would have thought that I got to a place where my parents started saying I was losing too much weight after I had spent so much time trying to get praise for how my body looked from them. I mean, I felt like I had made it. And the heartbreaking part was during all of this, when people were asking if I was sick, when my parents were very clearly concerned about me, I still thought I was overweight and not pretty enough or good enough or small enough. I still woke up most mornings analyzing my body in the mirror, pointing out where I still wanted to lose fat. I was cutting out entire meals, working out even more. Every time someone made a comment about my body, it just continued to motivate me to maintain my body or lose more. And those experiences are the reason why I haven't since and will never again make a comment on someone's weight no matter what. That seems obvious, but like, for example, I had a friend who lost a lot of weight in a reasonable amount of time, clearly on purpose. I know that she did it safely and purposefully and for her health. But once I noticed, I never once made a comment about it because you just, you never know if someone's weight loss is what it is because of disordered eating habits. And you don't know if your comments are going to encourage those detrimental habits. And then, okay, so all of this was like my freshman and sophomore year. And then we get to my senior year of college and things got really healthy again. So you see like it's all back and forth. 
I had been saying for years that this is when I peaked. And I still think that today. And I'm still trying to get back there because how embarrassing is it to say that you peaked in college? My life was beautiful, you guys. I was waking up every morning at 7 a.m. I did not have an alarm. But I was waking up every morning at 7 a.m. because that's when the birds outside of my window started chirping while they were sitting in the magnolia tree outside of my window. Like, I felt like Cinderella. Every morning I ate avocado toast with some fun toppings. I had three raw fruits every morning in a bowl and a detox water with apple cider vinegar and turmeric and um, ginger and a whole bunch of healing things. I wrote in my journal every morning at sunrise. I felt my emotions deeply. I was so grounded. I worked out before class. I ate lunch at my sorority house. I didn't overthink any of my meals. I treated myself when I wanted to. I felt so good and confident in my body and I really, really, really miss that and I strive for it constantly. Obviously, things have changed in terms of habits and wellness routines just because I have less time and more responsibilities. I've gone back and forth with my eating habits since then and my relationship with my body. Right before my wedding, things got bad again. I remember after I picked out my wedding dress, my father said to me while I was eating a meal, be careful. You want them to take off fabric, not put more on. And I, that is like seared into my brain because it, it put into high gear again, my negative views of my body and the terrible habits that I had developed over the years to maintain the body that I felt was desirable. And tacked on a new, very negative habit. That's when I started purging in conjunction with restricting and over-exercising. I was working out to complete exhaustion every day, insisting that I was too big. And only when my husband caught me purging did I start to realize that this was a problem. And this is the beginning of when I started to realize and put words to what I had been experiencing for years. My mom was incredibly concerned and just because for no, not for myself, but because everyone around me was concerned is the reason that I sought out a therapist, which I'm so glad I did, regardless of the reason behind it. This therapist specialized in eating disorders. I was so lucky to find her. At one point, I was seeing a therapist, a nutritionist, and my current psychiatrist. Shout out, Dr. G, if you're listening to this. Unfortunately, though, because of finances and now my lack of insurance, I can't see my therapist, but I yearn for the day when I can start seeing her again. It is truly shitty to not be going to therapy. I think it is so beautiful. Surprisingly though, and unsurprisingly, pregnancy helped a lot. It was very, very, very healing. Um, during pregnancy, like not so much. That was a constant battle mentally. I felt like I was always teetering on the edge of relapsing and I had relapsed right before I found out I was pregnant. And I stopped it all cold turkey once I found out that I was, but I was constantly during pregnancy having to watch myself, my food intake, my thoughts while I was gaining weight and while students actually made comments about my weight gain. I had one student say, um, I think he made a comment about how I was developing a double chin and how I started, like my belly started really growing, but that was like before my belly started really growing. I was like maybe 13 weeks. So that was all very 
hard on my self-esteem and very hard for me to listen to and deal with and ruminate on without being able to do anything about it and knowing that I had to start healing myself because now I had another person that I had to take care of and grow. It was mostly easy physically to not be in my eating disorder at that time, meaning it was easy to remember to eat and to eat well because I knew that I was doing it for my baby who I wanted so badly. But the eating disorder thoughts, that was harder to overcome. That kind of ran rampant. Early pregnancy kind of helped because I had to eat or else I would get super nauseous. And then being in school also actually helped me too. I was always so hungry by lunchtime that I had no option but to eat the meals that I had already planned, which thank God that I was meal prepping. It saved, it's, it, it, it made sure that I was eating and eating well those first few months of pregnancy. They were filled with just produce and healthy fats and vegetables and protein. It was awesome. It was totally balanced. If it wasn't for the meals that I prepped, it, it would not have been a good situation if I wasn't bringing good food with me that I was like essentially forced to eat. And let me tell you, it was quite the tumultuous time when I found out that I was nearing and then actually did gain 55 pounds during my pregnancy. I think the average is like 30. <laughs> yeah, I gained a lot of weight. I didn't, my midwife um, hadn't been showing me my weight. So I had gotten into the habit once I realized that I had an eating disorder of telling all of my primary care physician, like my primary care physician and any other doctors that I went to that I was in eating disorder recovery. So I went, always went on the scale backwards. I never saw the number. I advised all these doctors and nurses to not tell me how much I weighed or show me how much I weighed. So all throughout pregnancy, my midwife had me go on backwards, never told me how much I weighed. But because she was working at a birth house practice that she owned and she wasn't in like a doctor's office, she was under a little bit more stricter rules. And when you reach 50 pounds in a practice like this, you have to go see a doctor um, who I assume is just going to tell me that I'm gaining too much weight and my baby is going to be too big and I won't be able to push him out and that I need to... Who knows what he would have told me, honestly. She said that he was going to be a dick and just to prepare. <laughs> um, but luckily I didn't have to see him. Like by the time I gained the 50 to 55 pounds, I was already at like 38 weeks. And by that point, I mean, there's nothing that's going to happen. That, that whole rule in law is really dumb. I was completely healthy. My baby was completely healthy. We were growing. He was growing appropriately. My heart rate and blood pressure were just like phenomenal. My midwife gained 80 pounds with all four of her pregnancies. Like it's the, this weight thing and so many of the rules surrounding pregnancy are just so arbitrary, but that's a conversation for another time. But after pregnancy and now in my MILF era, I think this is one of the many reasons that I'm doing so well emotionally postpartum. I suddenly have such a positive view of my body. And before before you assume, it's not because of this traditional reason of like, oh, my body made a miracle. It did so much stuff and I appreciate it so much more. And that's all valid and true. And I did experience that. And I'm so amazed and proud of my body for doing so much, despite the fact that I treated it like shit for so long. But what really hit me was just how slow I was during pregnancy, getting up from the couch, 
walking around the grocery store was just so slow, difficult. Not being able to bend down without a lot of effort really hit me. Sitting on my legs. I mean, all of these small things that I always took for granted, I quickly realized were such just blessings that made life so much easier. I suddenly had such an incredible appreciation for what my body did for me in that regard in everyday things. And I was so eager to just experience all of the things that my body helped me to do once I was no longer pregnant. And I guess, I guess this is body neutrality as opposed to body body positivity. It's, it's not being super excited and proud of my body because I feel like that puts a lot of, that puts a lot of pressure on you to love your body when sometimes you just don't feel that way. It's more of a focus on acknowledging and appreciating all of the things that my body does for me to help me to enjoy life. I yearned for the opportunity to work out, not because of how it might change my body, but just because of the fact that I could feel energized by pushing myself and doing workouts without myself and my body being an obstacle. I looked forward to just walking quickly, being able to be efficient again. And I was really worried about postpartum. I was really worried that once my baby was out of my body, that I would feel less responsible for how I treated it. But I'm so glad I don't because I'm lucky enough to be breastfeeding. So it's imperative that I'm eating and eating well for my son's growth and health. And I'm pumping for a friend who no longer produces milk. So I need to make sure that I'm um, eating enough so I'm not losing my extra supply for her. And so now that I'm here in my postpartum era and actually doing really, really well in this part of, of eating disorder recovery, I'm, I'm doing a lot of just good things for me with good intentions behind them. I'm walking eight to 10,000 steps a day. I'm going on walks with my son. I'm enjoying the sunshine, getting sun on my face, feeling the breeze on my skin, looking at the trees, the palm trees waving in the breeze. It's awesome. I'm doing the rowing machine a few times a week. I'm walking quickly through Target and thankfully I'm eating with the intention to one, continue nourishing my baby and two, support all of this new physical activity. And again, none of this is for my body to look a certain way. And I haven't actually weighed myself since I gave birth. I think I gave myself, weighed myself once and that was with my midwife and I was just curious. And unfortunately that was after a third party person slipped and told me my weight when he didn't know that I was in eating disorder recovery. And that's how I ultimately found out how much I gained. Um, But I can say that I'm fitting into more of my clothes that I wore before birth, before pregnancy. Even though I have stretch marks on my belly and it jiggles and the extra skin and fat makes like a lowercase w in my lower belly, I still appreciate and feel comfortable in my body, which is so weird. I never thought that would have happened with all the changes. I'm loving food. I'm being intentional with how I'm nourishing myself without becoming too obsessed with it. I'm sleeping better than I can remember ever having slept, even though my son's waking up three times, two to three times a night to eat. Like I am sleeping hard. It's incredible. And I'm thoroughly energized. My mood is regulated, which I'm sure also has something to do with leaving teaching. And this is my first holiday season in which I'm not 
like, quote, allowed to be on my eating disorder. I'm in recovery, and for the first time, I have responsibilities outside of myself. I'm not sure if these tips will help me, um, but this is what I'm planning to do, and maybe if you're in a similar boat, and this is might be your first holiday season in recovery, maybe you can use these as an anchor. So these are the things that I'm going to be doing this Christmas and all of the New Year's Eve and all of the days around these holidays where there's a lot of food around. One, I'm going to be making sure that I drink a ton of water throughout the day, which is something I try to do anyway. I try to drink 100 ounces of water a day. But I notice that when I'm well hydrated, I don't necessarily want alcohol. Or if I do have alcohol, it doesn't affect me as much. And I know that when I'm drinking, I'm just more likely to purge. Two, I will be intentionally wearing looser clothes on Christmas or on New Year's Eve or whenever food stuff might come up so that I'm not hyper aware of how my tummy gets bloated and so that I don't use that as an excuse to purge or then restrict the next day to, quote, make up for it. Three, I will be ending my nights with some healthy habits like tea. I, I, I have these reusable tea bags and I have this um, herbal store nearby where they have all these different dried herbs and you can just get the loose leaf teas so I can make my own herbal and wellness blends, but I'll end my nights with healthy habits like drinking tea, reading, journaling. I just find that ending the day on a positive note or with some wellness practice makes me feel less guilty in the morning and thus less likely to revert to restricting. Four, I'll be keeping perfect bars with me. If this is something that you want to do, you don't have to use perfect bars. That's just what I use any protein meal replacement bar with as many clean ingredients as you can find would be good. I can't deny that being a mom takes up a lot of my time. And even though I'm in recovery, I still do forget to eat and skip meals, not on purpose, just because time gets away from me. And it's unfortunately not as much of a priority as it should be. I mean, I'm breastfeeding or pumping or cleaning or taking care of myself before I'm even thinking about setting aside time to make myself a meal. But I keep these bars around at all times or on me if I'm going out and I notice that I missed a meal, I can just pop that in, eat it really quick, on the go, don't have to prepare anything, and I know that I'm getting enough protein and fats and all of the good things that I would normally have in a meal. Maybe it's not an exact real meal replacement, but it's something, you know? I think I'm on five. Most importantly, this is my most important tip for myself and for you. If I relapse, I will not beat myself up for it. That's a promise that I'm making to myself now. Having grace with myself has been the biggest blessing that I've given myself. And it's allowed me to see myself as a friend and a loved one. Giving myself grace seems to allow me mentally to get back on track and treat myself the way that I would want a best friend or my own daughter to treat themselves. Again, this is my first holiday season in recovery. I think it's going to be hard. I'm not sure how it's going to go. I'm brainstorming all of the things that I can and preparing for all the things that I can to try to stay on track and be have grace with myself and 
nourish myself appropriately and keep myself in a positive, good, healthy mental state, I am feeling really good and I'm feeling really positive and I'm feeling really hopeful that these things will help. If you are in the throes of an eating disorder or Maybe you don't have the words for it yet. Maybe you don't have therapy yet for it. If you are in therapy, maybe you're not in recovery yet, or maybe you've recently relapsed. Whatever your situation is that just feels icky and might not be where you want to be, I see you. I get it. I hope that you know that there is hope, that it is actually liberating to be on the other side of an eating disorder, and that there's so much love and and value and purpose on this side of an eating disorder. It is possible to love your body and treat it well. I promise it's not just a myth that you see from these body positive accounts on social media. I want you to know that I believe in you and I believe in the future that you want for yourself and that you are trying to create for yourself. Babes, Take care of yourselves this holiday season, whatever it takes. Miss Dean loves you. Same time next week. Have the best day ever.